Welcome back, guys. Sometimes accidents can happen, and sometimes when those accidents come, you can create your own ghost story. This is Warning from a Ghost Story with Paul Dolsky and Tessa Baker. Again, babe. Um, a ghost story kind of sets off with a couple, and yes, after they, I guess you could say, got to the point where they could afford it, really. But there were still some differences between them about it. One wanted, the husband wanted to stay, and the wife wanted to move. Yeah, which we didn't, I don't think, understood why she wanted to move, I don't think, because I know he wanted to stay. Because of the memories. Because of the memories that they've already made. (laughs) Yep, and the nostalgia of their home. Yep, and not only that, but there was an old... Uh, piano that was left behind from the old owners. Yeah, the previous owners. So they kind of, I guess you could say. He developed an attachment to the house, to the space. Yep, and he fixed up the piano, made it even tuned, and um, uh, I remember that the husband was mentioning something about. Um, probably in another year or so, it might need a new tuning, but for now, it should still be in tune. Um, pretty much this movie is, it's very different from any other movie. Um, it's not really horror, but in a weird way you could say it is horror because of the method that it's trying to portray. portray, Which, at the end of the movie, I think they did a phenomenal job with it. Um, I think a lot of people might just might not dig it because maybe they're not into the whole superstitious of life after death. Yeah, the supernatural aspects of it. And the whole, like, do we exist after we die kind of thing, like... Yeah, the whole, where do we go after we die, or what do we become after we die? Yeah, are we just, um, (laughs) just a memory, or are we a ghost kind of thing, so... Or do we become reincarnated into something else? That, too. There's so many different possibilities and theories. Yeah. Um, but... This movie, 
it's, let's put it this way. There's not really a lot of dialogue, and if there is, it's not even really that long, except for the party scene, which we will talk about in a few moments. But, like, even when you're learning about the wife and the husband, there's not, they don't really interact that much. No. I mean, they have that little argument about trying to move, and he doesn't want to move, like what you were saying. And then it kind of cuts into, like, nighttime, where they're in in their bed, just um, sharing a moment. Sharing a moment, yep. Um, talking. And whatnot, and then the next thing you know, there's like um noise going on, almost like as if somebody sat in something per se, and so they got up, went out to the li- uh, living room to investigate to investigate, and the living room is pretty much where the piano is. Where it also connects the um, kitchen. And I forget if it connects to the bathroom right away. I know there's another room that he checks out. But I think it's like another hallway. But it's like another room. And yeah. then it's, or something. But we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Maybe. Uh... So, where do we want to begin, really? So, like, they're in this bed. He goes and investigates. What is he investigating, Tessa? He's investigating the source of a noise. He heard something drop or hit or the piano. Something. Or, or something. Something around the piano. He heard something. So, he went to go investigate the source of the noise, not finding anything. And he's like, well, it was probably something that just fell on the piano. Or... Around it. Yeah. And, and then he, he has her go back to bed, and then he goes back to bed. Yeah, after he checks out that one room that he, like, turns the light on for at least two seconds, like, searches the room for those two seconds, and just, like, turns off the light and goes back to bed. Um, the next morning, however... I want to say it was like the next morning because it did kind of happen a little bit quick, quick. But the tempo of the film pretty much showed them at the nighttime, like, you know, just having a moment together and talking and having a good time. And then you got the daytime where you're kind of seeing like what you think is fog at first. But then the camera starts to pan across the house. And then you see this kid. And then you see these two cars that have clearly caused an collision. collision. Which it makes me wonder how they even collided, to be honest. But mm-hmm. the husband was in one of the cars. And you can probably already tell where this is going to go. 
So, the other car has the husband in it. And he's clearly not moving, unconscious, doesn't appear to be breathing from what we can see. But we're not entirely certain until it flashes forward a bit to a morgue scene. Yes. And we see the wife walking into the morgue to talk to the to talk to the mortician and he pulls back the sheet to reveal the woman's husband on the medical table which i don't know if it's just me but she didn't really seem to show much, much of emotion in a reaction yes and i don't know if she was, like, not supposed to, it's it supposed to be, like, one of those, sh- like, like, uh, I gotta be strong at, right, right now, because I just, I just can't believe this is happening, kind of thing, like, this can't be real, um, and then she, after her little moment, she, like, goes off, or no, she tells the, the person that she would like a moment, and uh, if if the um, widow now um, needs anything to shout, which at this point in time, once again, with this like no emotion, no reaction thing, she just covers up the husband's face. Yeah, she. And then really, just leaves. She, yeah, she didn't really show any emotion. She didn't. She didn't cry, she didn't go to pieces, you know, she was just very quiet, and she just kind of stared at him, you know, and and then she just covered him up, and she left. Yeah, and, I don't know, I mean, but then I guess you could say, it had to be one of those type of strong moments, where she was, like, strong in that moment, but, when it came to... Her friend that came over with a pie, which, can you remember that scene, Tessa? Her friend, who was also, like, I think, like, a realtor or a landlord or something, brought her over a pie, and she left her a note saying, I made you a pie, um, let me know when you want to paint, and if you need anything, call me. Yeah, and she had she had keys to her house too, which is interesting. Um, I mean, I don't know why you would give, I guess, somebody else your key, but maybe because just in case something were to happen to you, I guess, almost like a suicide watch thing, because you don't know what could happen. Um, Maybe that's why, but it was just interesting as she walks up to the house with the key, with the pie, and then she just kind of lets herself in, put the pie on the table, and then writes a note. So then, after she w- left the note and the pie, babe, mm-hmm. uh, what happened next when um, she came back? She came home. She found the note. 
and the pie on the table. She read the note. She moved the pie off of the table over to like an island, like kitchen block thing. Grabbed the fork, took the wrapping off of the pie, set, slouched down and sat on the floor near, in between her oven and her sink, and just started digging into the, to, in, digging into the pie, eating. And as she was eating, she started crying. You could, you could hear the sniffling. And not only that, but this is a, this is a long scene. Like, I don't know how long to be exact, but you're literally watching, yeah, you're, you're literally watching this woman just stuff down the pie, uh, like what you were saying, Tessa, before the podcast, she would what? What was she doing with the pie? Why was she eating the pie? Because she was emotionally eating because she was trying to fill the void inside her from her losing her husband. And she just, it was her way of, I guess, coping. Because um, she wanted something to comfort her. She, she needed something to comfort her. And she thought that eating would do that. Which eventually, sometime down the road, with this long scene, you just see her get up, run to the bathroom, and puke. So, clearly, she had way too much sugar. And probably nothing really to drink, so that all that sugar probably came back full force, I'm assuming. Or it would distress on top of it, so maybe the, whatever she was eating just, just couldn't sit and had to be thrown back up anyway um at this point in time that we forgot to mention too at the morgue is after like another three minutes have gone by after she left the morgue after covering up her husband's face the um sheets came up from the um what do i want to call it the bed thing the sheet from the morgue, um, from when he was on the table, um, is that what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. So, are you talking about him waking up? Yeah. Well, he wakes up before she starts eating the pie, because he's there. I know, that's why I said I'm going back to the morgue. Yeah. Yeah, so, we go back to the, we're gonna go back to the morgue, like Paul said, and he sits, um, he sits up on the table. And the sheet appears longer than what it was when she pulled it away from his face. It's like almost as if the sheet just, I don't know, grew. But anyways, um, he sits up, gets up off the table, and you see him standing there as like a shrouded ghost figure. And he's walking around the hospital, you know, trying to figure out what just happened, what's going on, where he is, and why he's there, and everything like that. Yep. And that's pretty much where the whole phrase comes in, like, a one-door closes kind of thing. Um, yeah, eventually he finds this light that has become opened on like a hospital wall somewhere 
after him trying to experiment, but it also seemed at the time too with the hospital is that something was guiding him the way to the light anyway, because doors were just randomly opening and stuff like that, so it was almost as if the light inside of him, which is a weird way of putting it, was actually still trying to show him like, hey, you still got work to do. So, what get you back to where you used to live? So, um, another thing we forgot to mention is while she's eating the pie, who's watching her? He is. He's he's watching her as his ghost form. He's just. Standing there watching her, obviously in silence, because he never speaks. But you can just almost feel the emotion of that scene, you know, because he knows why she's doing it. And... And it's just, you know, he he just doesn't know how to, what to do, really, like... Like, there's another part, too, that I think we forgot to mention. At one point in time, when he was still alive, the wife told him what, Tessa? For the wife told... Told him that... What what did she used to do? She used to write little notes on little pieces of paper. And she would fold them up. Yep. And she would stick them in, like, a wall or a crack of every place she's ever been. And she did this as a way of leaving a piece of her memories behind, a piece of her that she could go back to and she could read and, like, sort of relive those memories. Yep. And at this point in time, as you're watching the husband... Pretty much watch her now, his now widow wife, um, go on with her life day by day. Which that scene was actually kind of interesting the way they did that. Remember when he was just standing there and then you just watch the, uh, the wife now widow, um, just walk out the door and then she would just keep coming back yeah, out the yeah, hallway? Yeah, she would. She would um, keep coming out of, like, the bathroom or the bedroom or wherever, dressed in a totally different outfit, and she did this several times. She would repeat the same process, but she'd be wearing different clothes each time. So she would literally come out of, like, the bedroom or the bathroom or whatever, grab her her bag or whatever, go out the door, and she would do it repeatedly, like, several times. And then it stopped, because then it... Pretty much showed her bringing some dude home who, or something like, like he gave her a ride or something. And, um, you know, once again, it, that kind of almost felt like, like, did she finally was able to move on, per se, so mm-hmm. look past it? Um, it's, like I said, I mean, this movie, May not be for everybody, but if you really like powerful meanings that make you think and the way they do it, I think you guys would really enjoy a ghost story. 
Um, so later on down the road, the widow now, I forget her, her name actually. I know they said her name like a couple times, but for now, I'm just going to keep calling her the widow. And because technically she is a widow now because her husband did die. And it got to the point where she finally moved out. Mm-hmm. And um, she wrote one she wrote one final note before she left. And she put it in a piece of paper, stuck it in the wall and painted over it. Yes. Yeah. So now since she left the husband the dead husband now remembers that that she painted over this wall over here or I should say this crack over here by the door that separates the living room and kitchen and he wants to know what that final note was so now since she left his goal is to scratch the paint off and the wood and stuff like pretty much scratch at it until he can get to read the final note. But what happens later on, babe? Now, after she moved out, what happens next? Well, after she moves out and he's trying, he he remembers that the note is there in the wall and he like like we had talked about before, um she he tries like hell to try to get at the note because he wants to know what she says. Right, but then what happens? Uh, a wrecking ball. No, not a wrecking ball. Not yet. Not no. yet. The Spanish people. Oh yeah, the Spanish people, that's right. A new family moves in, so time flashes forward. Christmas time. Yep, Christmas time, and a new, new family's living there, and he's observing and watching them. And he he's, he starts to become ups, upset and sort of resentful about this new family living in his wife's space. Yes, because I'm assuming he thinks that at one point in time they could possibly come back. Or yeah, she could come back. That she would come back, yeah. Um, yeah, so, and I also want to throw in that I want to say one of the Spanish boys knew he was there, like, could see him or something, because during one of the nighttime events, you see the kids, one of the Spanish kids wake up and look at the closet, then the other kid, which was a daughter, woke up, went to the son, was saying something to him to the point where the closet door opened, there was the husband, just like watching the kids, but this is where I'm saying, I think, I want to say the kid knows that he was there, but, but he picks up a laser gun. And I think he's trying to, like... Shoot the ghost. Shoot the ghost with the laser gun. Yeah, he's just like, 
oh, maybe if I shoot him, he'll go away or whatever. Um, yeah, I'm, which I'm assuming at that point in time made him more upset, like Tessa was saying, because cause now we're at a different day, and I think he's finally had enough. He comes out to the kitchen where the dinner, where the Spanish people are having family. And he whips up the glass of milk from the, the table, table where they're eating. Where they're eating and smashes it on the ground. And then from there, he starts throwing everything that he can possibly throw, like dishes. Whatever. Whatever he can get his, um, sheet hands on, it was gonna chuck. Yeah, he opened up cupboards and just threw whatever he could possibly throw. Yeah, and he was just upset. And then at that point in time, the Spanish people, of course, cleaned up the mess, and they moved out. Yep. Just like, nope, clearly something does not want us here. We need to go. And before we go into the what I said earlier about this party, um, now another interesting thing, the way of what the film does too is, so now this house has become deserted again, and the husband of that once widow now. Uh, He's, you know, he's stuck in this house now. Like, pretty much he's trapped inside the house. As you can now see. And it's almost like real life. You could almost think of it as real life. Um, like, kind of like the piece of memory stays in that house. So, yeah. Anyway, the part that I want to get to, though, is... as it's either before or after. My This part I can't really quite remember. So at this point in time, we're just going to say it's after the Spanish people. But the husband, the dead husband goes up to the window where he can look out into across the street where the other ha- uh, neighbor house is and notices that there's a, another ghost. Staring out the window. Staring out the window. Staring out the window. And they start to have like a silent conversation. Yes. The other ghost now that is across the street is uh, in the house because he's waiting for somebody to, c- to come back home. But he doesn't remember who he's waiting for. So... That's pretty much the conversation of that. And then the party. Somehow this random ass party happens. happens. Which I'm still trying to figure that out. If somebody was living there or something and then like then they got kicked out or something. I don't know because I have no idea how they come how they came to leave. Yeah, it kinda just went right into a party. But even that party scene was interesting, especially with that dialogue that that um, guy was saying. 
which, mm-hmm. in a way, I mean, everybody has their own thing. So, yeah, I mean, this now the guy had this weird, random speech going on where he's pretty much saying, like, your kid's going to die, you're going to die, your kids are going to die, your f- generation kids are going to die, everybody here is going to die. And then eventually the world is going to die itself because of the sun exploding. Um, what do you think of the party scene? Like, the way that guy was talking, Tessa. He was kind of almost talking in, like, a like a philosophical and almost a metaphysical sense. It was very interesting in the way that he, you know, was speaking about how everything and everyone dies and has a cycle. Yep. And he was also trying to, like... Mentioned the whole, like, afterlife, too, about the memory or something along the line of that. Mm -hmm. And after the party, that's when what happened? Um, he's, it shows him, um, still scratching away at the archway where the note, uh, his wife had left. He was inside the archway, and as he's... Scratching away at it and getting, uh, seems to be getting closer to it and almost has his, he almost has it out of the door frame. A wrecking ball comes, like, wailing into the house. Wailing into the house. Yep. And then at this point in time, the house gets destroyed. Just like the neighbor's house that had that one ghost in it had also been destroyed. And once again, there's another silent conversation with the ghost, with the dead husband and the dead neighbor. But this time, the dead neighbor finally figures out that whoever he was supposedly waiting for isn't going to come back. And once he notices, and once he kind of says that, that I guess they're not coming back, that's when, poof, he's gone. And I don't know what happened to him. I don't know if he, like, was able to rest in peace. I mean, I don't know. I don't think so. Because I think he just came to the realization that the people or the person that he was waiting for, even though he didn't know who it was, was not coming back. So he figured, why wait around for someone who is never going to return? I may as well move on. They're not coming back, you know. Right. Yada, yada. Yeah. And that's kind of sad if you really think about it. Like... Who knows how long this dead neighbor has been waiting for whoever that he can't remember to return. Doesn't return. The house gets demolished. And all this waiting pretty much goes into nothing. And then he vanishes. Where he vanishes to, I don't know. Now, this is where it gets weird. Um, I I think... I'm gonna... This is what I'm assuming. So... Tessa, you can help me out with this. Mm-hmm. So after the houses uh, get demolished, 
that's when, like, this brand new apartment gets built or something? I think so, yeah. It's like a new complex. Yeah, because here, because here, that has been walking around in this new place, big place, to be honest, and it's almost like a city now. In yeah. a weird way. In a weird way, it kind of is. And he goes, walks all the way up to the roof, and he walks off the roof. Remember? Oh, yes. And I don't remember exactly what happens after he falls, but he definitely falls. That's where track 11 comes into play, and he's on the roof. Which is what you just heard at the beginning uh, of this episode. That is track 11 from the soundtrack, which is called what? Uh, Thesaurus Tunis. Yeah. So, um, pretty soon, I know we don't really want to talk about this movie too much because it really has a powerful meaning. We, Me and Bo- Tessa both think it does. And, but the only problem is, some of these scenes that play out long might take your interest away from it. But, you gotta remember, this is a very emotional story that pretty much is almost like an everyday life thing where it's not like bad guys and good guys and good guys always winning and stuff. And you're always happy and stuff, because that's just never true. But when you look at the darker side, when losing somebody, we get to watch, we're watching the person collapse within themselves. They're like kind of getting swallowed up by darkness because they've already lost so much already. So much already. And they don't see much point in hope or anything for that matter so So, they sink deeper into themselves so that's why like earlier when Tessa and I were talking about the pie eating like that's a long scene but when you watch that scene when she's eating that pie it is very emotional you're watching her break down tears you're watching the dead husband and ghost form watching her who, who can't do anything but when she goes to bed at night, he's right there, sit, like, sitting on the bed next to her, even though she doesn't realize it, but he's there watching over her. And then when she moved away, that makes it to what I'm assuming is the meaning of this movie is... um the memories of a house, like, and pretty soon we're going to be ending this episode because I don't want to say too much. Yeah, because we want to leave, like, enough, like, element for you to want to, you know, If you really want to check it out. Yeah, we don't want to spoil it for you. Yeah, so if you're liking what we're hearing or telling you, uh, go check it out. It's definitely worth a watch, even if you just watch it once, but I'm actually kind of glad I did got uh, buy it, because, I mean, 
The soundtrack is amazing. The story behind a ghost story is just... It's powerful. It's powerful enough to call it one of my um, one of my favorite PG-13 movies. And yeah. that's and that's right next to uh, Whites Out, which is another PG-13 movie. And I don't really like PG-13 movies, but between Whites Out and this one... I'm getting. I'm pretty impressed. Yeah, it's definitely one of those movies that you that you have to be like a particular kind of person to be interested in it. Like it's not for everyone, but it's a very emotionally deep story. riveting, riveting deep story, and it's one of those ones that it just kind of pulls at your heartstrings at certain parts and. It makes you think. Yes. Because I think what we'll do is I'm going to say one more thing and then I think that's going to be the wrap up and then we're going to call it for this episode. But the one last thing I want to say is um, at one point in time the dead husband does go back in time. And all I'm going to say to this is that I almost want to say just you got to treat it as if it's a residual haunting. And if you do not know what a residual haunting is, a residual haunting is what, Tessa? It's when a ghost uh, goes back and keeps reliving their life over and over and over again up until the point that they die. That's right. Now... For the final thought, Tessa, do you recommend this movie? Yes, I highly recommend this movie um, to anyone who really likes movies that are deeply emotional and riveting and, you know, just, it's just really great. And the soundtrack is amazing. The music is so powerful. And um, I chose the opener song to this episode which is track 11 and Paul has chosen the clothes which is track 7 which is called The Secret in the Wall which you gotta remember the wife at the time wrote notes and put them into the places they have lived so that way they could always be a piece of her in the house. Thank you guys for listening. And I really hope that you enjoy this little small teaser of a ghost story. Or in this case, learnings from a ghost story. Now, before we go, one more time. Um, like, I, like we've probably said, this is not for everybody but if you love powerful, emotional, deep stuff this movie is for you and until then I've been your host for this episode, Paul Dovsky and I was your co-host, Tessa Baker and as always guys stay
stay scary. Stay scary.